Welcome to Beyond the Bullet Points, a podcast from Stoddard's Ranging Guns, where Ken Bay explores the personalities, histories, and drive behind Stoddard's brands and the organizations it supports. A few years ago, David Kramer lost a friend who served in special operations for the U.S. military. David was torn apart by the loss and wanted to do something about it. The Special Operations Care Fund was born. David and his fellow SOCF board members all have other jobs and careers, but they find time to raise money for those who serve our country and for their families. Sometimes it's a broken marriage that needs repair or a brain that needs care and healing. When dad has perished, Families are left with a void that is almost impossible to fill. Often, a family will face financial catastrophe. The children of those who have perished need nurturing and mentoring at camp. These are the instances where SOCF responds to fill in the gaps. Stoddard's has been a supporter of SOCF for the last few years. Recently, we donated our range and our team to help with a donor event. I sat down with David before the event to learn more about how he started SOCF, what it does, and where he would like it to go. I'm here with David Kramer. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I know you were with Uber Group, and now you're with (laughs) with Magpul. Right. Uh, We're here today actually to talk about the Special Operations Care Fund. Yes. But tell me a little bit about your, first of all, thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. And tell me a little bit about your background with uh, with Uber Group and now with sure. Magpul. So, uh, so I, I'm from Atlanta. I actually worked in the outdoor industry for years after high school. Uh, worked at High Country here in, in Buckhead, initially at Perimeter Mall, and uh, worked in the on the outdoor side of the business at retail for ten years, and then I left and became a manufacturer's rep. Uh, on the outdoor side of the business, and that's when I was one of the founders of, of a rep agency. We named it the Uber Group, uh, but yeah, we were manufacturers reps, and uh, then we um, had a portfolio of brands working primarily in the outdoor space, uh, so guys going hiking and camping and climbing. Uh, I was in that world for a long time, very passionate uh, outdoor person, and uh I got to engage the military first in 2004 at Fort Benning with the Rangers. And it was an interesting uh, time. The outdoor industry, generally speaking, uh, is a very relaxed industry. Everybody wears shorts and flip-flops in the summer and and uh, cargo pants and, and comfortable shoes in the winter and a flannel shirt. And uh, here we are at this outdoor show and these guys that do not fit the part show up. And uh, they start asking about the products I was selling. And because the outdoor industry is a regional business, they look, they say, oh, you're in North Carolina? Well, Dave's our rep in North Carolina. Or, oh, you're in Georgia or Florida or Tennessee, wherever these operational bases are that have a bunch of special operations guys. And uh, that's how I got to engage the military and that. That kind of started a, a very unique trajectory for a guy that's uh, been climbing and skiing and paddling for most of my uh, for most of my life. So, what brands did they connect with? So the the big brands at that time were were Arcteryx, Solomon Footwear, 
uh, Sunto watches and Jetboil stoves. That those four, that kind of portfolio, were were very unique to the guys in the special operations community. They they had um, funding that a conventional force didn't have. They they had flexibility to get items outside of the big government programs, and uh, and they were able to to basically acquire things that were unavailable to a conventional force. And I would say Arcteryx was probably the uh, the most intoxicating brand to those guys. Um, it was and still is a very, very uh, premium brand, uh, kind of representative for a lot of those guys as the of the vacation they want to take, but they can wear it professionally at work. Uh, but we started uh, selling a, a significant amount of Arcteryx and Solomon footwear to those special operations guys. And that kind of created its own unique business opportunity. And I, and I managed that for those brands uh, until last fall. And did those brands help these guys? So, so uh, I was probably innocent or dumb enough to engage these guys because I knew nothing about their process, how they buy things. I was used to selling uh, to accounts. So, you, you know, you go to a, an outdoor store and they carry Arcteryx. That was somehow or another I touched or managed that business or my team did. David explained how Arcteryx designed a backpack for the Marine Corps and won a big contract with the military, its first foray into designing products for the military. We were very much an outsider, uh, but good product, uh, or great product in that case, uh, won the award, and, and we had the logistical piece of, of manufacturing on the states or on the, on the U.S. Uh, island of Puerto Rico. We could, we could run that. And then from there, it just kind of blossomed. And I was really, really smitten with these guys. They were a very unique group of individuals. I'm not a, I'm not a, a vet myself. Um, it was really fun to, to talk with these guys and visit their, their bases and, uh, and hear about what they do. And, and honestly, a lot of what, you know, the, the same objective uh, challenges to keep a mountaineer comfortable climbing a big peak in Alaska is the same objectives or the same challenges you have keeping a guy comfortable in the winter in Afghanistan. The difference is one guy is paying to be there and another guy is paid to be there and he probably carries a lot more weight. And uh, so Arcteryx, we started building some very specific clothing for them. It was basically offshoots of what was commercially available at, a, at an outdoor store, a mountaineering coat with some very specific features and then we started to paint them in colors that were more appropriate for deployment, uh, including some camo patterns. And we were we were willing, we had the bandwidth to to do these sorts of projects, and it grew into a fairly significant business. We the the nickname of the of the of that brand is called Leaf Law Enforcement Armed Forces, so it's the Arcteryx Leaf brand, uh, and it's uh, it's a. You know, in the grand scheme, it's a very small business compared to Arcteryx worldwide, outfitting people to go into the mountains. But it's a pretty pretty big number that uh, that they're managing still, and it's a very very good business. And did you hear from any of these guys who were wearing that product? Oh yeah, I mean, you uh, you sit at a trade show or you go to their base, and they start showing you pictures of being on a mission or on a target or on the helicopter after they've done their their uh, mission. 
and uh, they're showing you what they've what they wore. And uh, I mean, it would it still gives me chills to you know see these guys and 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 they show you the photos of what they what they just got through, and and then you start to realize that there's a there's a significant difference. At least I felt there was a significant difference between outfitting a person for a vacation, an awesome vacation, but still it's it's a vacation, and acknowledging hey if you know if the guy has to buy the green one because the black one's not available doesn't ruin much but when you are are fulfilling a contract and you've promised these guys hey we're going to have 175 jackets to your unit by March 1st because you go wheels up and that's the difference between not having a jacket for deployment or having it you understand the responsibility and and it has more gravity and weight, and so you feel a sense of obligation to, uh, hey, my my tiny tiny contribution to this effort is just getting the items that we said we get to them on time, in the right size to the right to the right facility in the in the, you know, on the right base. So it's it's pretty cool. Is that where the special operations care fund grew from? So so. Just like in any business, you start to get to know these guys and you, you have dinner when you're when you're visiting them. And I started to to develop a really interesting relationship with a lot of these guys in the special operations world. And we uh, before we had actually started SOC F, um, a friend of mine in the industry, now a coworker of mine, uh, sent me 300 PMAGs from Magpul. And you've you've seen my old office, a fairly small space. And so 300 PMAGs took up a lot of real estate in my office. And uh, a friend of mine uh, in, in the SEAL teams uh, died on a training accident. And he and I were fairly close. And I was I was pretty tore up by his his passing. It was on Good Friday. And uh, that month, the next Monday, I was at my office, and uh, I opened up the PMAGs, and I had a picture of him in a helicopter up on my wall, and he had taken his his helmet off, and his hair was all crazy, and he had a humongous beard, and and uh, this is before the they they tightened up the the grooming regulations, and uh, and I I cut out the the picture of his image, and I made a stencil, and then I then I painted it. And it took me all day to make ten of them, and uh, I'm I definitely do not have a, a, a burgeoning career in art. I will I will assure you of that. They look like a third grader did it, and so I took those those ten magazines to the memorial up in Virginia Beach, and uh, I, I handed them to a friend. I had to catch a flight, uh, head back to to work, and I handed them to a friend. And I said, "Hey, you know, sell these." Call the bar to order, sell them, and uh, give the money to his wife, Jenna. And uh, two and a half hours later, he calls me. We're taxiing back to the gate. And he says, hey, how much do you think uh, those went for? And I I thought, ah, they probably went, you know, these are, what, 15 bucks out on your floor and uh, each. And so I, I thought, ah, you know, with his image, pretty cool. You know, maybe maybe they went for 100 bucks a piece. So I said 1000 bucks. He said higher. I said 1500 higher. 2500 higher and that's when he just stopped me he said you know we sold five of them uh, for 15,000 bucks 
and we had to cut it off because suddenly the family was like, what are these things? And they were, they were really, you know, unique in, in a, in a very basic, uh, innocent sense. And, uh, at that point I had 290 left at my office and I thought, okay, well, I know what I'm doing with 290 P mags. And, uh, a lot of people in Atlanta came together to make it happen. Um, I had a friend actually up in D.C. Um, digitized that artwork and made it into a, uh, an Adobe Illustrator file. And then Advanced Armament was up in Gwinnett County. And uh, we they let us borrow their laser. Actually, they did all the work. And uh, John Hollister and, and uh, Mike Hoffman and that crew up at, up at Advanced Armament, Remington, uh, made made the artwork happen. So we had 290 of those, and we I had three dealers up in Virginia that uh, that sold those P mags for 100 bucks a piece, and they went like that, and instantly we raised another thirty thousand, twenty nine thousand dollars, and uh, and we were able to give that money away to the family. And let's formalize something down here in Atlanta. I had a couple buddies that were were equally as uh, interested in helping these families out. And so we, we formalized a, a 501c3, well, first an LLC, then we applied for 501c3 status with the IRS, and we were off to the races. We filed in 2013, but we didn't actually get started until 2014. So sorry, a little bit of a long story to how we got to be, but that's uh, that's the backstory. That's great. And you are 100% volunteer at this Correct. point? Yes. So uh, so uh, the the board, uh, we volunteer all of our time. And uh, and then we, at our events, we ask for volunteers. And most of that, honestly, is friends and, and family. My wife and the other board members' wives uh, help significantly. And then just some friends in Atlanta are, are willing to give up their, their time and their talent and treasure and, and – uh, Help make these events happen. So yeah, so we have no no rent, no uh, no mortgage or debt service or any any sort of overhead. We have insurance. We insure the organization uh, and our events. And uh, we obviously, when we can't get something donated, uh, whether that's food or beverage catering or an event space, we pay for that. But otherwise, the things that I think people want to know is you know well. Who's making money on this? The answer is no one. Um, okay, the cater, but uh, but other than that, yeah, it's no, no one. No one takes a dime from it. Uh, we're able to do it without any executive directors. We kind of send text around. Hey, what do you think? We got a request for some money. What do you think? And uh, very quickly, we make those decisions and are able to fund these sorts of uh, initiatives. Who's on your board? So the board. Initially was uh, Griff Griffin, uh, patent attorney here in Atlanta, uh, in Midtown. Cannon Reynolds, who's an architect up in Buckhead. Uh, David Money, who is now retired attorney, uh, but he lives half the year here and half the year out in, in Colorado. And uh, myself, th- those were the four initial board members. And we actually just this week expanded out um, – to add some additional uh, board members, one is Kelly Rodriguez, uh, who's a uh, a friend and also a spouse of a special operations guy, and she herself was a 20-year vet, um, just retired out of the Army and the 82nd Airborne at Fort Bragg. Uh, Kelly, uh, her husband, Michael Rodriguez, 
uh, Rod, who is a Special Forces Green Beret. He is now retired. Uh, Rod is uh, is going to cycle onto our board as well. And then another friend up in up in East Cobb, uh, Suzanne Kelly, who used to work at CNN here. Uh, Suzanne runs a company called The Cipher Brief, which is at a very unique intersection between uh, business and the intelligence community. And, uh, and Suzanne is going to come on the board as well. So you all have other jobs. It sounds like quite a significant commitment. You know, I, it, it doesn't feel like it's much work, quite frankly, um, probably because I get incredible satisfaction. I, I speak for the board. We all get significant satisfaction doing it. But for the most part, it's, it's a handful of events a year, and it requires uh, traditional planning, making sure we've got the facility – uh, the the invites sent out, the catering squared away, and any beverages, um, the the nature of the event. Uh, this this will be our, our big event up in, in April. It's the fifth time we've done it, so we have a, a very good kind of plug and play. You know, wash, rinse, repeat. We can we can kind of do it without a uh, a fair amount of of legwork. It's getting less and less work every time we do it because it's just you know. Plugging in the the details, so we're able to do it without any without any staff. And what types of organizations does SACF support? So, so we have a number of of places where we park the money. Um, the 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 first one is we help a lot of brain injury treatments. Uh, there are two two types of treatment that are not currently funded by Tricare or the VA. Uh, one is called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. It is if you have the bends or, or get the bends when you're scuba diving, that is how they uh, treat it. And HBOT, as it's referred to, is also has a, uh, a significant healing aspect for hyper-oxygenating the blood supply and in the brain. And because it's, it's under FDA, looking at FDA approval, it's not quite yet covered. So we will cover that. So we fund HBOT. It's basically uh, 40 treatments, or they call the treatments actually a dive. You're in this chamber, um, and it's 40 treatments over 30 days, and we, we fund that. And that's out of a, a 501c3 that we do it out of Fort Bragg and in Norfolk, uh, where Virginia Beach, where the East Coast Seals are. Then we also do one called MERT, uh, magne- Magnetic Electroresonance Therapy. So it's using an MRI machine to help map the brain waves and get the guy's um, brain to start to run pathways. And boy, I'm not a doctor, and so I barely even understand the science behind it. Uh, But MERT um, is incredibly useful, and and we've seen places where HBOT may not have helped the person, but MERT is the right uh, way to, to treat this. I have I have friends in in uh, in the in the, in that world of brain injury and and they've tried to explain it to me at the Crayola level and I still don't even get how or why it works but uh, but but those two treatments are significantly expensive uh, but have incredible uh, rates of of helping people to heal anecdotally and that's truly all this is I had a friend of mine from Fort Bragg in the at the Army Special Operations uh, organization there at Fort Bragg, and he was hit by a vehicle-borne IED in Iraq, 
and uh, he was a, a horrific case. You have the he's a hulk of a man, and uh, he he could not. I mean, you would you would see people he's known for years, and he would look at them and he'd go, "Do I do I know you?" And and you sit there and you go, "I two minutes ago I just explained to you who I was and our connection to each other." And then he'd go, "Oh, but who are you again?" And you're and you could just you could visibly see he was not able to connect all these dots together. And he came to Atlanta, went to the Shepherd Center. Um, Shepherd had a bunch of of treatments for him, but they didn't think they could actually what what they offered could do much for him. He came to my house when he was at Shepherd. And uh, the the clinks of forks and spoons hitting the plate, and the and putting a glass down on a table that that ambient noise was so agitating to him. He had to wear shooting earmuffs and sunglasses at my table. Now, granted, I had three loud children, but uh, my wife said, "Hey, you, you know, he is visibly, you know, you got to get him into a dark room where there's quiet. Go sh- go sit him in the car in our carport and turn the lights off." So you you watch this guy, and I see him three years later after HBOT, and I'm at Fort Bragg, and I'm out at, at his organization, and I'm walking, and I see this guy, and he's got this humongous Cheshire grin on his face, and I'm like, I know this guy. Wait a minute. That's Mark. Holy smokes. And gave him a big, huge hug, and he... He picked me off my feet, and uh, and I said, man, what happened? How are you? He goes, dude, I got HBOT, and it saved my life, and it saved my marriage. And you're going, how can we not prove that this works because this man in front of me, you know, he is healed, and it's unbelievable. So, yeah, so you you you, you see this, and you're, you're just blown away at, at, you know, what it does. And so... Uh, Rod, who's on our board, same thing. You know, Rod will straight up tell you, hey, not all lives are saved on the battlefield. You know, if it weren't for HBOT, I'm one of the 22. Like, I was there. I was ready. And it saved my life. And so it's uh, it's awesome. So, yeah, we we love to write checks to fund those two, those two brain injury initiatives. Uh, beyond that, we, we have a, a Gold Star Kids program. And that has morphed into uh, not only just Gold Star Kids, but then how to how to get the family to reconnect in a meaningful way. Uh, what they they special operations families tell us is the the family get got used to dad being gone two hundred and fifty nights a year, and when he came home, it was like a vacation. The problem was when dad left the military and now he's home 365 days a year all sorts of problems started to uh, show themselves because suddenly dad is very present and it almost felt like a parasite in the family and it was uh, unique circumstances and so the company that we pay to do the gold star kids camp also had this what they call the family reconnections camp and that is that has blossomed into its own. And these are this is a, one of the most meaningful and wonderful uh, initiatives that we fund is to to heal these families and these children who some of them don't have a dad anymore. So we we fund that, um, and then we also have a, a, a big investment right now and in, in continuing into twelve step programs for guys uh, who have who have found solace in the bottle 
or in a in a in a box of pills, and uh, and they get addicted to opioids, painkillers, or or drinking, or both. And so we're sending guys to a, a very specialized treatment center for the military in Texas. Uh, we also have a, a program that we do when as needed. It's a marriage uh, counseling program. Uh, the fine folks up at uh, Windshape on Barry College's campus have made their facility available to us when we have a couple that's uh, been identified by the chaplains at the organization and uh, and their leadership, and they say, hey, your, your failing marriage is affecting your work. We think we've got a, the right program. They do an interview with, uh, with a service provider, LifeGate Counseling here in Atlanta, and LifeGate provides a five-month counseling suite. They, they do it uh, two different um, intensives where you go for about 72 hours up to, to Windshape, and then they do Skype uh, once-a-week calls, and then they go back and do another marriage intensive. And, and so we fund that. Uh, and then we also have just a, an emergency fund, and we've paid for everything from people struggle to uh, usually it's a healthcare issue, and then maybe they've got even the deductible, the twenty percent they have to pay is still a staggering amount. I have a a friend whose uh, whose wife uh, af- post retirement from the Navy after twenty years in the SEAL teams. Uh, she was diagnosed with with cancer, and uh, the, the, we've paid for a, a transport flight from Duke Medical Center to a girl uh, who needed to go to Children's Healthcare in Cincinnati. And Tricare was dragging their feet, and the clock was ticking. And from from a, a, a single conversation on the phone, we said, "Hey, we'll pay for the flight, and no questions asked." Never met this family in our lives, and. We heard from a vetted people that said, "Hey, this is this is the guy and his family." And so, yeah, so that's a long story, but that's what we do with the money. Uh, and, and those are the kind of the five places we put it. When when we have money left over, we don't want to own cash. It doesn't help us or help anybody if we're not putting it to use. So we will we will find well run five hundred one c threes that maybe have a connection to a unit that we don't have. Um, and so whether it's the Green Beret Foundation or the SEAL Foundation or we, we've, we, we funded all sorts of different things. Some, some of those go more for education. Some of them, like us, just, hey, there's an emergent need and uh, they found out about it first and so we can, we can fund them and they can, they can vet those needs and, and get the money to the people that need it. How much money has SOCAF raised? In our since since our this is our fourth year we've raised one point six million dollars. Um, last year we raised and gave away eight hundred eighty thousand. So it's basically started off with a, a small, then we doubled it, and then we doubled that again, and now the, here we are four years later. Uh, last year twenty seventeen eight hundred eighty thousand and change, um, and we anticipate probably a million to one point two this year. Since we don't have any expenses, we don't have a you know a, a real need to, oh we got to cover our costs you know we just you know money comes in it goes out so it's uh it's very very easy in that sense because we don't have any we don't have to worry about overhead so <clears throat> many would ask why aren't these veterans receiving health and other benefits from the government so i i wish i had a, a real a real logical answer to for you i don't um I will say this, as a guy that used to own a small business, and you can appreciate this, 
businesses in general are not meant to heal marriages or provide everything a family might need. And so, so I understand it as a guy that, you know, I had 13 employees at one point. Um, and there was certain, there was definitely items I couldn't provide. I would want to, but I couldn't. And I can't imagine doing that for two, 2 million people all in, including the reserves and the, and the national guard. So I, I don't know. Um, the cynic in me, you know, can can probably go on a on a long tear in that. I just choose to to accept that you know there are there are gaps in coverage, and those gaps to Congress might just look like very small gaps, but to the family who's about to fall into the abyss of financial ruin because the you know a child is sick and they've done what any parent would do, they left the the system to go find the best doctor to heal that child. And because they've done that, they've incurred expense. And so, hey, we can we can do for a number of families what we wish we could do for everyone. Um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, wherever those gaps are, um, if it's for a, a special operations family, we will fill them so long as we have the, the financial resources to do so. And I understand you also support vets who leave the military and go into contracting work who still support our country in a big way. Uh, guys like uh, I know many people are familiar with 13 hours. Yes. Um, guys, uh, the, the attack on the U S state department, special mission compound. I know guys like Mark Geist and Chris Peranto yes. are among the types of people who you support. Is that right? That, that is true. And that falls under, uh, when, after we've kind of managed our own internal initiatives, uh, we support a couple of organizations who are there to support basically the intelligence community. When when a when an army ranger or seal or a green beret special special forces green beret when they if they leave the military or just or retire and they do go to work on contract, typically to the CIA or any of the thirteen intelligence agencies, um, they are. They are oftentimes a contractor, no different than uh, any contractor who does the IT on your on your uh, computer systems or 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 whatever that looks like. And so, those guys are are contracting. They're given no benefits if if they are injured. And so, yeah, you you it is again one of those where the, the cynic in me could get very angry. The fact that uh, I have friends who have retired as a master chief out of the Navy or a sergeant major out of the Army, and they go work for for that organiza- those organizations, and uh, they're injured, and then they can't go to Walter Reed. It's like, well, wait a minute. Six months ago, this happened while you were still an active duty Army guy or Navy guy. Uh, you'd be at Walter Reed, no questions asked, but you have you – have, honorably retired and been contracted by the government to do basically a similar, maybe the same job overseas. And now you're, you're no longer, they won't even, you know, talk to you, uh, breaks your heart. So, yeah, so we fund uh, one called the third option foundation, which is for, uh, for the CIA's paramilitary organization. And there are other organizations that support your organization. Correct. 
Who are some of those? So, so we've had uh, a, a number of uh, folks here in Atlanta and elsewhere that have have you know basically said, "Hey, how do we help? How do we get involved? We've got this other fundraiser." So, the Atlanta Charity Clays uh, has been going on uh, with a, a very generous group of of Atlantans for I want to say thirty years at this point. They've been they typically uh, find children's oriented. Uh, Causes so that might be you know helping out the Hugh Spalding Center, uh, Children's Healthcare, or the Boys and Girls Club. Well, some of those fine folks found out that we had a Gold Star Kids program, and hey, we're in Atlanta, and uh, so we've been the beneficiaries from the generosity of the board of the uh, Atlanta Charity Clays. Uh, we have some friends up in Nashville who uh, who have found the same sense that we have a sense of purpose and giving. And uh, and they gifted us a hundred thousand dollars to 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 help with these uh, these initiatives that we do. And same thing in Chicago, uh, we have a very generous uh, husband and wife combo that uh, saw what we were doing and uh, said, "Hey, if you can do that, if you rednecks in the South can do that in Atlanta, we can crush you in Chicago." And they will probably beat us <laughs> at our own game. Uh, very very. Uh, very generous folks, basically replicating what the Charity Clays and what, what SOCF has done with a Sporting Clays event. One of the charitable events SOCF runs every year is a Sporting Clays event. And so we, we run this very unique event, and, uh, and it's really fun because it allows people to meet and greet. And I might not be very good with a shotgun, and the Army Rangers not very good with a shotgun, and we both get schooled by an, a guy who's an accountant. And, uh, and he has a fun time showing us some tricks of his trade, and uh, he gets to hear the the ranger or the seal or the special forces guy talk, you know, about deployments, and it just creates this awesome venue to be able to 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 meet people in a in a very unique way. Uh, but we've done you know traditional shooting events like we have done here, uh, and and those are fun as well. And that's always interesting when you have. Uh, a, a retired special operations guy teaching guys like me how to, you know, how to shoot. It's really fun. You know, it's, it's almost, you know, I, I use the metaphor. It's like learning how to golf with Phil Mickelson or, you know, Tiger Woods or, you know, wh- whoever Tom Watson. So it's, uh, it's really fun to, to, to play with, you know, play with those guys with guns. Well, Stoddard's is, uh, is proud to be Absolutely. part of that. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. I asked David how he feels he helps special operations soldiers function in the business world after they return from serving. He talked about how many skills they have that actually translate well to the business world. This is a theme we have heard from other organizations that we support, like your Grateful Nation, as well. It's been fun to try and help these guys tailor the language that they use uh, if they're not going to go work for the federal government overseas anymore, and they want to come and have a have a a normal American life, whatever that looks like for their normal, uh, how to how to decipher that and make it into a meaningful uh, resume builder. So when the guy looks at, it, he's like, "Wow, you you led a group of." you know, a company, a hundred men, uh, that's a, that's, you know, if, if that was a, uh, a construction firm, that's a project manager. So yeah, being able to, to help those guys to tailor their language in a way that they also understand, Hey, 
yeah, it's it's business and it's bureaucracy and it's private private bureaucracy, which is different than government bureaucracy. It's always in the pursuit of profit. Uh, but you know, you can usually figure out what the guy's motivated by because he's here to make money. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely helped me to understand uh, how to apply the skill sets out of twenty years of serving the country into working within an organization that's trying to improve and make profit. What, what's your ultimate goal for Saka? It's funny you ask that. My wife and I were talking about that the other day, and at what point, you know, maybe I step off the board and just go into, um, you know, just a normal normal role of a, a donor supporter. Uh, I think I would like to be there until we've raised and given away ten million dollars. That would I don't know why it's an arbitrary number, but it seems big and it seems uh, like that would make a lot of impact on on a lot of people's lives. And so I think you know I'll hang around uh, for till ten million bucks, and then I'll just be a supporter and uh, you know let other people carry the torch for a while. Well, we're we're proud to support the organization, thank and you. I, I want to thank you for taking the time to do Absolutely. this with me today. Yep, thanks, Ken. Thanks. If you want to support SOCF, you can do so at SOC-F.org. This is Ken Bay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bullet Points.